Welcome to episode 163 of the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. We had a conversation with Kara Hutchinson, Director of Marketing for the Boston Celtics. They have a unique situation of having a rich championship history while also having a team of many new faces that are balling out. Rob, it was a very interesting conversation. Carol was fantastic. She gave us some real, you know, unique insights, especially into email marketing being one of their biggest channels, which was fascinating to me. And I think one of the other biggest insights was the fact that you and I both seem to have a childhood affinity towards the Celtics that I didn't know, especially considering you and I do facts about us of the day for hundreds of episodes at a time. I'd like to welcome Kara Hutchinson, Director of Marketing for the Boston Celtics to the Sports Marketing Huddle. So Kara... As a kid, probably when I was like six years old or so, living in Pittsburgh, when my dad asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say one of two things. The guy at the airport with the weight who waves the orange wands, who brings the airplanes in, or a Boston Celtic. I had one of those shiny green starter jackets that was in the heyday of Bird, McHale, and Parrish. Fantastic. How are those going for you? <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't end up doing either of those, unfortunately, uh, though, uh, every time I go to the airport, I do see the guys waving the orange wands. I'm like, man, they look like they're having so much fun. Uh, it does look like a pretty cool job. <laughs> not as cool as being a Boston Celtic. But uh, speaking <laughs> of championships with Bird, McHale and Parrish, let's start with this. Can you share your experience of what it was like to market around the big three with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and what you learned from their championship run? Sure. Yeah. So I was brand new to the Celtics that year. And so it was a pretty cool time to be coming on board to the organization and uh, Celtics fans probably remember the painful season that we had the year before we put those three together. So it was really uh, a fun time to kind of see everything come to fruition because our fans are so loyal. They stick through us uh, with, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And the season before the 0708 season um, was definitely, we had a lot of low times that season. So coming into the 0708 season, it was really unique because it doesn't really happen that often in sports when you have a team like that that's kind of designed to win a championship and it actually comes to fruition that quickly. So that year it was, you know, I hate to say it, but it was pretty easy for us from a marketing standpoint because those guys marketed themselves a lot. They're just such big personalities. Their plan, the court supports it. So really it was just kind of taking that momentum that was already there and just harnessing it and trying to take what those guys and the rest of the team were already doing and just highlight it as much as we could. And, and we took advantage of it um, in terms of, you know, really making sure that we told the stories on and off the court and captured the dynamic of that team. And really it kicked off with our preseason that year. The team was in training camp over in Europe and, you know, that they just meshed really well. There was a bond right from the start. Um, Doc Rivers was such a great leader for those guys. So the story kind of wrote itself. All we had to do was really amplify it. So, Kara, I'm curious, and, and I think this is a great transition into, into my first question here, because obviously when you have such great talent, um, just like you said, it, the story writes itself. You just need to amplify it. 
Um, being from Boston, and since I'm here in New York, I think there's a lot of similarities between Boston and New York, um, except that obviously Boston and New York are kind of like, <laughs> those are the two cities that don't really mesh. But being such big markets, I think there's some similarities where we have so many sports teams here, as do you. You've got the Pats, you've got the Sox, the Bruins. What is it like working in a market with so many other major sports teams? And is that a benefit or is that a challenge? And what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, it's definitely a benefit, um, and I think it's probably more of a challenge in New York. We're lucky in that, you know, we have teams in all the major sports, but we only have one team in each sport. So if you're from New England, you're supporting the Pats, the Sox, uh, the Bruins, the Celtics, and, you know, the Revolution and some of our other teams too. So you really, you know, you don't have to choose that affinity. Um, and so for us, it's we've seen a bunch of research that tells us that if you're a fan of one of the teams, you're a fan of at least kind of the primary four um, and similarly when one team is doing well it's really good for all the teams so people kind of assume that we compete with the other teams locally and we really don't look at it like that um, you know the, I guess the most direct competition would be with the Bruins because we're in the same season but our diehard fans and theirs don't necessarily overlap it's more of you know if you're a casual Bruins fan and a diehard Celtics fan then you really want both of those teams to be doing well and succeeding so we see it as certainly a benefit we work with the team's directly um, in a few different ways, some teams more than others. But recently we've been working more and more with the Red Sox. This summer we're starting to plan our second annual uh, Celtics night at Fenway Park. So last year was fantastic. We were celebrating a couple of our championships. We had some legends out for the first pitch at Fenway. Um, We did a really cool co-branded hat that had uh, black and green colors with the Boston Bee. So um, we're doing more and more of that. I think we're all, all four teams are trying to tap into the, the strength of our fan base. But um, yeah, we, we really never see that as a negative thing. It's, it's great for all the teams. So Kara, Isaiah Thomas is balling out majorly this year. He's become the face of the franchise, which wasn't the case when he first arrived. How have you guys transitioned your marketing? And do you think he's more relatable to fans because of his size? I do. I definitely do. I mean, I've been here for 10 years and I've never seen anything like it in terms of someone just completely winning over the hearts of our fans in the city and the region. Um, so it's been really fun to watch. Um, he, you know, he, he's such a dynamic player. Um, and not only is he playing really well, but it's just been so exciting to watch him and you just can count on him to kind of turn it on when he needs to. So for us, from a marketing standpoint, it's really been about balance because, the identity that our team has kind of created for itself over the past few years has really been about teamwork, has been about grit and hustle. And um, we've kind of developed this mentality of being about the team and not just one guy last year, Jay Crowder's comments about we're one superstar kind of, um, kind of stuck and resonated for fans. So we ran with that during the playoffs last year. So we want to keep that in mind and, um, when you hear Isaiah talk in his post-game press conferences or anytime he's talking with the media, he's always talking about his teammates, which it works out really well. And our responsibility is kind of to highlight. We don't want to ignore the fact that he's emerged as a total star on this team, but we want to kind of acknowledge that and celebrate the success that Isaiah's been having, but also, you know, highlight the rest of our guys too, because we have so many good personalities. I mean, Jay Crowder is a huge fan favorite and Al is the consummate professional and Marcus is, you know, he, he's got a heart like no one else. So we really try and kind of tap into the personality traits on and off the court for all of our guys. Um, while, you know, again, we, we, during our all-star push, we, 
started out pushing Al, Avery, and Isaiah, and there were probably a few other guys that we would have been promoting had injuries not come into play early in the season. Um, but then at some point it becomes clear that Isaiah is kind of running away with it, and he's the one that's really got a chance of being voted in by the fans. So we do, of course, put extra effort there. We don't want to be arbitrarily marketing more guys than we need to be in that scenario, but um, we really just want to kind of find that balance of promoting Isaiah as a player and then remembering that, you know, God forbid something could happen. Isaiah could not be playing a week from now. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're promoting the Boston Celtics as a team because that's why fans love us, but also acknowledging that Isaiah is just kind of on another level right now. Well, I think that's also a really great point because as you're, you're talking about the, you know, such great players and you've had, you know, so many of them over the years and you've had a lot of legends, Larry Bird, Parrish, so on. What is the balance between marketing those superstars and these outstanding players versus marketing the team? Because when you have the years or the games or the weeks where you don't have a superstar, how do you make sure that the fans keep coming back and staying in the seats? And what is the balance between the two? Yeah, I mean, for us, it comes back to the game experience. And anyone who's come to a game at TV Garden will tell you that it's a great experience for everyone. You don't have to be a diehard fan. When I started working for the Celtics, I had never even been to an NBA game. Um, and now, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but I think I'm a huge sports fan. But I think Celtics games are the most fun and the most engaging because you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. There's so much going on besides what's just going on in the court. So, you know, even diehard fans can appreciate that. Even if you're not into the music and the dancers and everything else, you see when you come to the garden, you know that the Celtics are going to leave it all on the floor. Um, and you know that you're going to see a great performance and there's going to be a different guy stepping up every night, even if it's just in a supporting role of Isaiah. Um, you know, there are different guys contributing. So we want to make sure we can't control what's happening on the court. We can't control who's playing. There might be a game where, you know, Brad decides to rest one of his biggest guys um, thinking ahead to the playoffs at this point in the season. So we never want a fan to come to a game and say, I had a terrible time because my favorite player was benched. He didn't play. We want them to go in and maybe initially when they see the starting lineups and they realize that their favorite guy isn't playing, then, you know, they might be a little bit disappointed. But by the end of the game, it's been such a great experience that they barely remember that. They just know that, you know, win or lose, no matter who's playing or not playing, they had the best time and whether they were with friends, family, clients, whatever it might be, they just left and the atmosphere was so great. Um, and a lot of that is a credit to our fans. You know, like we try and provide the best atmosphere and the best setting to encourage that type of behavior, but our fans are just so rabid and loyal and passionate that the atmosphere kind of, um, you know, it, more than anything is a credit to them. So Kara, Bill Simmons is a major sports personality, writer, and Celtics fan. How does the team or marketing department embrace someone like him or other sports influencers who are so vocal about their support for the team to such a large audience? Yeah, it's a good question. We, um, you know, we hear internally from our CMO on down, we have a great relationship with Bill um, and some of those other big personalities, but I guess the danger is, you know, he's as much our supporter as our critic. So we don't necessarily align ourselves directly with a lot of media personalities because we really want them to be kind of writing in an authentic way, which they will do anyway. But our PR team is fantastic. I mean, we, um, the stories that they kind of can get out there and especially the off the court stuff, I think that's where um, maybe not so much Simmons, but some of the other more local personalities really support us in a great way is like to highlight what these guys are doing off the court. And we have from 
our ownership on down. We really promote getting out in the community and doing great things. So that's where we rely on the media. And in terms of, you know, some of the bigger personalities, we love when they write great stuff about us. Um, and we may, you know, throw them a retweet here and there to kind of continue to promote that. But um, they're going to write what they're going to write and they're going to say what they're going to say. So um, we kind of, you know, we monitor that closely and we're ready to react to that. But we don't necessarily... Um, you know, go back and forth with them in terms of what they're writing or saying on a day-to-day basis because it's so far out of our control. Kara, I have a last question here as we wrap this up. Um, I'm curious, as as the director of marketing um, in Boston for the Celtics, as you're looking forward for the rest of the season and next season, what do you think is the number one most important um, marketing channel that you'll be focusing in on or keeping in mind as you build out all of your messaging and marketing? So I think I would answer that in two ways. Our most important channel is probably still email, believe it or not, um, because that's where that's where our fans are actually making the purchase and making the transaction, and that's how we're communicating the most directly with our fans. So that's something that we, you know, email is still king for us, but I would say kind of the most top of mind on a daily basis is definitely social media. It's changing so quickly. Um, We traditionally have been a little bit more cautious with our social media presence. um, And that really just aligns with who we are as a brand in general. But there are some teams who are being so creative and are doing things so well. uh, And really fans are reacting in a positive way. So, you know, take the Atlanta Hawks. They're very strategic in their social media presence and they've built a really strong fan base down there kind of out of nothing in some sense so we're um one thing that we struggle with is we're a brand that we're lucky to have such a rich history and tradition but our fan base is skewing younger and younger as a league overall so we need to find a way to take our history and tradition and make that relevant to millennials and younger and the way to do that i think is through creative and smart use of social media so we're doing things like Right now, we're working on building a digital interactive historical timeline of the Boston Celtics where we'll populate our milestones and we'll teach the young fans about Kevin McHale and Bob Cousy and all of our legends. But then at some point, we'll open that up to fans to be able to share their own memories because that's what our fans are all about. They want to share their experience. It's about the sense of celebrity. It's about telling the story about the game that they were in at in 1992. Um, so we need to just find ways through social media and through other new technologies to kind of harness that fan passion and make that accessible to a younger audience. So Kara, I've probably got a few good years left in my jumper. I'm still not giving up my hope of playing for the Boston (laughs) Celtics one day. Uh, I really appreciate you jumping on this sports marketing huddle. I wish you guys much success and luck in, uh, going towards winning another NBA championship. Thank you very much, appreciate it. I can't wait to see you out there in the court. <laughs> Kara, thank you so much. And uh, I'll throw in one little personal anecdote as well, which I don't even think Rob knows. I was actually born in Rhode Island, and so my my whole family are Celtics fans. And when I was less than a year old, the first sweatshirt I was ever bought was a little hooded green and gray Celtics sweatshirt that I'm not kidding. I can't believe I'll admit this on a podcast. My mother still has on one of my childhood um uh, stuffed animals that I that I actually still have. I'm not. I'm gonna have to find a picture and and we'll put it on social because that's kind of ridiculous, but it's absolutely true. Well, make sure when you find that picture, you uh, throw it on social and tag us, and maybe we'll we'll get you a retweet. <laughs> Perfect, Kara. Thanks again for coming on the Sports Marketing Hall. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, guys.